Welcome back to Real Talk with Big John. We're going to continue on with our trend of uh, new wine. I suppose for lack of a better title, I'm going to call it New, Line part, new Wine Part 3. I'm not very original. The last time we were we were talking about how I was use, actually using the Sermon on the Mount at the end. And uh, we, we, we dealt with everything from uh, adultery to, to murder in terms of the letter of the law versus the intent of the law and how when Christ come and preached for those three, three and a half years, he described and he explained how the law's intent was being missed by the sheer physical subscription of the law. And uh, you can go back and listen to it because we talked about the, the true vine being Christ. I want to further dive into that that same topic i believe that jesus is referencing uh isaiah chapter 5 in the parable in luke 20 he began to tell the people a man planted a vineyard and leased it to vine growers and went on a journey for a long time at the harvest time he sent a slave to the vine growers so that they would give him his share of the produce of the vineyard but the vine growers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he proceeded to send another slave, but they beat him also, and they treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. And he produced, uh, and he proceeded to send a third. But this one too they wounded and threw him out. Now the owner of the vineyard said, What am I to do? I will send my beloved son. Perhaps they will respect him. But when the vine growers saw him, they discussed with one another, saying, This is the heir. Let's kill him so that the inheritance will be ours. And so they threw him out of the vineyard, and they killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and put these vine growers to death. He will give the vineyard to others. However, when they heard this, they said, May it never happen. But Jesus looked at them and said, Then what is this statement that has been written? A stone which the builders rejected this has become the chief cornerstone, and everyone who falls on the stone will be broken into pieces, but on whomever it falls, it will crush him. Uh, the King James said, be ground to powder. So I'm going to try in a, in a very short amount of time to discuss the law in light of grace, not grace in spite of the law, but how a superficial maintaining of the law misses the intent and how grace fulfills the intent. Oftentimes we think about grace from a very humanistic standpoint. God's kindness, God's grace is there and it should lead, lead us to repentance. And yet most of the time whenever you speak about grace real heavily, people, especially religious people, not people who are really concerned about people's souls, but people who are more concerned about the way we do church will say, you can't sling grace around real recklessly like that because if you do, it'll give people a license to sin. Now, I haven't been a minister very long, and I haven't been a Christian but a little over a decade. But here's what I understand about grace as far as where, when I'm a recipient of grace. When I'm a recipient of grace, I am thankful beyond measure. And I don't use those occasions as an excuse to continue to walk in things that are sinful. And I believe that's a proper execution of grace. 
instead of looking at grace, as I, I tell you who thinks about grace as a license to sin, people who ain't living right in the first place look at grace as a license to sin. People who are lost and undone, but people who are saved and people, people who are being regenerated and renewed by God's grace and being brought to newness of life in Christ, they, they don't look at grace as an avenue of sin, but rather they look at grace as exactly what it is. God's unmerited favor, favor shed on people just out of God's goodwill. An example of that, again from Scripture, John chapter 8, probably one of the most noted stories from John. Obviously, it's not the most famous Scripture from John. I think that would be 316, but, but in 8, we're going to look at the story of the adulterous woman. And notice how the law is being used as an avenue to extend or to uh, to persecute justice, you can't see my air quotes. It's it's being used. The law is trying to be used or is being used by men to try to execute their will. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple area, and all the people were coming to him, and he sat down and began teaching. Now the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery, and after placing her in the center of the courtyard, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? Now they were talking, now they were saying this to put him to the test, or to saying this to test him, so that they might have grounds for accusing him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote in the ground, when they persisted him in asking, he, sh he straightened up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And when they heard this, they began leaving, one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone. And the woman where she was, in the center of the courtyard, and straightened up, Jesus said to her, Woman, no one... Did no one condemn you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. Go from now on and, and do not sin any longer. His grace wasn't extended to her for her to have an excuse to continue in sin. Now, we can, we can look at a couple areas of that. We can look at a couple areas and continue in the same theme, which is what I'm going to do about the religious hypocrisy of the day. Clearly, these vineyard owners that we read about in Luke chapter 20 are the same people who are putting this woman in the middle of the courtyard to draw a crowd and make a spectacle. They're the people that have taken the slaves that were sent by the, uh, the landowner to the vine growers to get his share of the produce. These people would have been uh, Old Testament prophets and servants of, of God. You consider how many of them were martyred because of the message that they had and how many of them weren't listened to by the Israelites. How many of them were, were pushed outside of society and disregarded. And, and uh, I, I, There was a time and time again where God's people have been ignored or killed because of the testimony that God told them to tell the people that he loved. And then finally, of course, we know that God sent His Son. And instead of honoring 
God's only begotten son and treating him as God as they should have treated him. They decided to take him outside of the camp or, as this parable would say, outside of the vineyard and kill him, thinking that somehow or another they're going to become heirs by killing the son. Well, we know that that's not true. We know that the only way to become heirs with the son is to be in a covenant relationship with him in in one likened unto marriage. So whenever we see the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, we understand that this is Jesus being the cornerstone that the church is built on. And all those who are joint heirs with Christ come by way of the church, come by way of salvation. It's no longer a matter of who your grandparents are, of whether you're children of Abraham. As John would say, they can raise, uh, God can raise children of Abraham up out of stones. It comes by way of the cross. It comes by way of Christ. When you see John's account here of this adulterous woman, you see Jesus pretty much not speak for the most part. He takes, kneels down, and starts writing in the dirt. An opportunity for him to stand up and preach grace. Instead, he shows grace. I heard a man say one time, he believed that, that the, only, the last time we saw God writing with his finger, he was writing the Ten Commandments with Moses. And I'm like that guy. I believe that's what he was doing. I believe that he was down and he was writing the Ten Commandments so that whenever he would say that which one of you without sin, he could point to the sin that they would have been breaking. Have you taken and had another God before me? Have you bent your knee to an idol? Have you used your lips to speak curses to me? Most of them most of them blasphemed God whenever they was blaspheming Jesus. So they had took God's name in vain. Had they taken and honored the Sabbath, truly honored the Sabbath, or had they decided to use the Sabbath as an excuse to execute their own authority over people by way of punishment? Had they honored their parents? Had they uh, taken things that didn't belong to them? Had they committed adultery? Had they had they stolen? Had they lied? Had they killed? Had they coveted the Ten Commandments? You know, when Jesus is writing in the ground, I believe that's what he's writing. Jesus was the only one who had reason to accuse this woman. And I believe that he could have lawfully and justly accused that woman in part. But the law dictates that whenever somebody's committing adultery, the man and the woman have to be both stoned. So if there is no man present, and last time I checked, it took two to commit adultery. If there is no man present, then there is no real lawful reason to kill that woman alone. That man must be with her. So these people were once again run up on a snag of religious hypocrisy. And we can be thankful that once again, in an opportunity when God could extend death our way, He chose grace. I want to be very clear. I've been the recipient of this grace my entire life. I've made the statement from behind the pulpit. I've made the statement with the praise team at church through song. I've made the statement to my children, and I'll make it to you and to whoever will listen. All my life, God's been good to me. God's been good to me since before I was saved. God saw to it that I was taken care of as a child. God saw to it that I was that I was alive and well and able to hear the gospel message to, to be able to repent. God God kept my, my family. He kept my mind whenever he didn't have to. God's been good to me. God has been gracious to me. Everybody that I know, God's been gracious to. And I thank God for that. God could have and justly have 
killed any of us at any time, but instead he's given us an opportunity for grace. And I don't want us to take that, take that lightly or take that for granted. As I said earlier, I believe it's the lost man who uses God's grace as an excuse for sin. And I don't want any of us to do that. I want us all to understand we've been extended grace by God and that we should utilize that grace to repent and to stay in God's favor and to stay in God's sight and to stay in God's God's will. So uh, I did not get covered all that I wanted to get covered in this. There are some areas that we still yet, I don't know yet exactly how how much into this I'm going to go. This is... This is fringing the gospel. This entire subject is, is this is this is the gospel being executed and lived out before our eyes. Today I urge you, I urge you today, whenever you're listening to this, whether it be in March 2021, or whether this be a year down the road or five years down the road, recognize God's grace in your life. Regardless of how bad you think you've had it, God's been good to you. Extend that grace to others. Use that opportunity that you've been given and afforded by grace to repent and to be thankful. To stay to stay in a humble position knowing that God has been far better to you than you deserve. He's the only one standing there with the, uh, with the right to throw any stones. And we're right in the line of fire. And God looks up and says, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I fully believe that those times are running out. There will come a day when all men will be judged, when all men will either have fallen on that stone and broken and put back together in repentance and love, or they'll be ground to dust, unable to ever have an opportunity to repent. I pray that today, if you're listening to this and you don't know the Lord, that you've used this time to repent and ask Him to forgive you. And that you spend the rest of your days being thankful and worshiping Him. After all, un- unconditional love and unadulterated worship is what gods do. Thank you for spending this much time with me. I'm Big John, and it's been Real Talk.